What's this? A new episode of Project 132? Well, not really. This week, we're joined with Neokage from podcast just about everywhere. Thomas from, well, you don't really want to know where he's been. This week, we're talking about what happened with Project 132. Our movie theater's doomed. What's going on with conventions now that we can't leave our houses? Sony's recent announcement of the PS5. And segments. Boy, do we have segments. I'm your host, Chris. And you're listening to the newly revamped Channel 132 Podcast. Hello and welcome to Channel 132 Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And yes, this is no longer Project 132. For the like two or three people that were listening to us back in, I think our last episode was back in 2008 or so we have uh, revamped the show just a few kind of i guess housekeeping things gene has decided to move on and do his own thing yeah things kind of didn't end too well with us but that's uh between us so we're not going to be talking about that so i decided to revamp the show and rename it and this is what we've come up with so it's kind of an experiment as to the format of the show and the flow and everything so we may not stick to it we may stick to it and we'll just see how it goes but joining with me today on our first episode of channel 132 is the i don't know who'd want to call him the parasite that we can't get rid of but we have thomas with us well, as one of the two or three people who were listening to you guys, I'd like to say, hi, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> doing good. And not yeah. sure it's okay to uh, call your fans parasites, but you know, whatever <laughs> floats your boat. <laughs> and we also have uh, Neokage from various other anime podcasts on the, the internet, so. Yeah, I'd have to say, I think this uh, episode is a little 2000 and late. <laughs> i know we start but, with, uh, yeah <laughs> no no i was just gonna say uh and uh yeah i think i'm officially becoming one of the most obscure co-hosts ever because i just kind of show up here and there on the sidelines of various podcasts with no real planning they just kind of pop up yeah <laughs> yeah well you, you i'd kill for somebody to ask hey can you be on our podcast <laughs> I know. I was, I was looking back at our previous shows, and I think we started this back in like I want to say 2014 or so. And I was like, "Dude, did we really go back that far?" Because we were so sporadic with with doing it, and and then it would be like a year lapse, and we we're like, "Oh yeah, we should probably do this again." And then we do like a couple episodes, and then we would just drop it, and then come back, and then drop it, come back. But yeah, we're back now. I've taken the reins and we're going at it and we're seeing how it's going to go. Uh, so I guess I'll explain the format here before we get on to anything else. I've decided to invite people on to do segments for the show. So sort of like a TV show or TV channel, if you will, where people will submit pre-recorded segments to the show. We will then play them during the show. But we'll also have sort of like live segments here where we'll talk about news and other stuff and basically just kind of go with the flow and see how it goes. With all that out of the way, how's everyone 
been doing and what have you guys been up to? Uh, you first, Tom. Uh, <laughs> oh. Well, <laughs> it, different things depending on what you want to talk about. Video games, this year has actually been interesting as I've gotten away from being addicted to Destiny 2 since all the people who <laughs> brought me on to Destiny 2 aren't playing anymore. And I was all by myself. So I've gotten to playing many different games, including Grand Theft Auto Online, Call of Duty. I just picked up Star Wars Battlefront 2. And of course, I am making my way through Final Fantasy VII Remake, which... <sighs> I still have to start that game. <laughs> Please start it so we can talk about it. <laughs> and then as far as you know, anime and all that stuff, it's... On a day-to-day basis, sometimes I feel like a Disney afternoon and turn on Disney Plus, watch Darkwing Duck and Gargoyles. Sometimes I feel like a etchy anime and I turn on Funimation and watch uh, High School DxD. So it's a day by day. <laughs> you know, I I never got into Gargoyles, and I have Disney Plus now. I don't know. Should I give it a second chance? You you have to. All right. Um, it's Greg by Greg Wiseman, uh, the director. He did the Spectacular Spider-Man series, which is the best animated Spider-Man series ever. He did the um, series Witch, which was on uh, the like ABC Family, you know, like mid two thousand, which is a very underrated show. And he's also the showrunner for Young Justice. Okay. So, did they? Out of curiosity, on Disney Plus, uh, since I got Gargoyles, uh, did they include the episode, the very special episode about gun violence when Broadway shoots the, uh, I can't remember her name, female officer? Eliza. Eliza. Yeah. And yes, actually, I was just going to bring that up. That uh, The <laughs> second thing was, it's got one of the best gun PSA episodes of any animated show ever. And, and I mean that seriously. It's a really, really good episode, and it shows you, my God, we were spoiled in the goddamn nineties. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I heard that was kind of like uh, lost media for a little while because a lot of people complained about it, so they took it off of the rotation. But no, it's there. Nice. You got it. So I'm not oh, constantly okay. talking. <laughs> oh, no worries. Uh, yeah, I'm up. Uh, cool. Uh, so, um, let's see, gaming-wise, I've been kind of playing uh, Indivisible, which is uh, the one from the people who made Skullgirls, that fighting game with kind of an anime theme to it, but, you know, not made in Japan, but kind of had, like, they clearly drew a lot of inspiration from it. I was kind of a fan of them because they were, like, this scrappy little studio who, like, blew up, and now they got this cool platforming slash what would you call it? Uh, turn-based combat game with an uh, opening that was animated by Trigger. And uh, it was really... Uh, dude, I'm freaking digging it so far, but I'm kind of stuck halfway right now. Were you going to say something, Chris? No, I was just kind of agreeing or whatever. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, but uh, the thing that uh, is... All right, so real quick, pros, the boss fights are really cool because they kind of jump back and forth between platforming and turn-based throughout the boss battle. Downside is, I guess I kind of grabbed it right after it was released on Switch, and it had its fair share of bugs. At one point during a boss battle, the boss runs away and starts hurling fireballs at you. 
And uh, they were invisible for me, which pretty much means I had to start the boss fight over again. So, so your first mistake there was you got it for Switch. Yes. Um, that was your first mistake. Yeah, like, uh, you know, honestly, I like Switch just because of the convenience, because I literally can just play it on or off the TV. And a lot of times I'm kind of multitasking. I, I, I'm getting kind of ridiculous. I'm jumping back and forth between an iPad, an iPhone, the Switch, and the television. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, there's that. As far as anime goes, unfortunately, I've become like one of those people who just kind of keeps up with the current stuff. And uh, this season has been a little rough considering everything was canceled. I was watching two shows, uh, Food Wars Season 5 and mm. Apache, which was the sort of like way, way out wacky races type show. Yeah, I was watching those too. And both of them got canceled and they're now coming back in July. It's like those were the only two shows I was watching. Yeah, Food Wars, I heard from the Grapevine, uh, a.k.a. the manga readers, um, it gets really, really bad. But at first I was like, oh, that's disappointing. But then they're like, they keep building it up. I'm like, all right, no, this could be good. Maybe it'll get so bad it's great. So I'll, I'll be the judge of that. Basically from what it sounds like is that they did something very stereotypical anime, and the newer fans don't like stereotypical anime. Which I believe make me believe that as an older fan, I love it because as an older fan, it's like, hey, yeah. The rumor, I guess, was that they like were ready to wrap it up, and then um, what's it called, uh, Shonen Jump? Uh, we're like, no, this is a cash cow. Keep putting it out, and they're like, all right, fine. And they made one so bad, they were like, okay, you're canceled. <laughs> well. I'm just going to say that apparently because it's the incest angle between the new bad guy that people didn't like. But again, I'll be the judge. I want to see the story. Uh, Actually, I got into Food Wars because the um, manga's artist I knew of. But I didn't know him by his artist name. I knew him by, uh, let's just say, his Dojin name. Yeah, I was going to say, I know of this person's past. So I was like, oh, here here we go. Well, I'm trying to say it in the most polite PG way I can think of. <laughs> right, right. Uh, since I have his Dojin work, shall we say. Yeah, Chris seen that drawer 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, actually, the anime I've been, that a friend got me into was I got into Rising of the Shield Hero, which I initially stayed away because of all the controversy of the first episode but then i kind of got into it and i think it's a really good show (laughs) i kind of uh, i mean i'm not choosing uh, i am steering way clear of any kind of political anything but i will say i usually have to judge everything by myself because uh what was the name of it there was there was one anime where i was just like oh this is a real sweet anime uh what the hell was it it was like something like Diary of a Recovering, uh, man, I can't think of it. It was like Recovering, like MMO player or something like that. And well, the, the concept was, oh, yeah. the, what was that? I think I know what you're talking about. 
Yeah, it was about this girl who plays a guy in an RPG and this guy who plays a girl in an RPG. They meet each other. They fall in love in the RPG, not knowing that they swapped genders. And then they meet in the real world and they slowly find out and then they become an idol. Anyway, and I was like, wow, that's a really sweet story. And then I found out later <laughs> that the guy's Twitter was uh, interesting, to say the least. Oh, yeah, uh, that controversy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was just I'm like, you know what? I, I'm just I, I'm just. I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to know. I'm just going to watch stuff and judge for myself. Uh, At least we can all admit this. And that is that newer anime have the worst titles to their series. You know, it's the, the diary of the man who died while being a overly cautious, super rare or ultra powerful, but still weak demon gang. I believe that's the sign that it came from a light novel. All, all those light novels have to have a, at least a paragraph for its title. Yeah. I mean, our our anime is what? Outlaw Star. It's simple. You get it. You know, the funny thing is when we were doing the, the Shaft or Super Happy Anime Fun Time, it was kind of a play on the whole. These anime titles are getting ridiculous, but it's just it, it's it's gotten too ridiculous at this point. <laughs> See, yeah, you're do, ahead of the do, curve. <laughs> and even if like they're really popular, they just get shortened anyway. Does anybody know the full title of Konosuba? No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but everybody knows Konosuba. God's blessing on this wonderful world. Nice. But I only know that because I just bought the Blu-ray, so and I have uh, a hand right here. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm, See, they should... It should have jumped on the Konosuba bandwagon because more people would realize what it was. Yeah. I'm going to stick to my short titles like Golden Boy. (laughs) Short and sweet. I know what I'm getting. And also, in the case of Oremo, it was uh, much less embarrassing than saying the full title out loud. My little sister can't be this cute. Yeah. (laughs) And yet, it's a really good series, though. Uh, You know what? I still get crap for to this day for bringing that in front of our anime group. We have a group that gets together every Saturday and I presented it as, Oh, don't worry. It, it, I know it's titled that, but it doesn't go there. And then at the end of season two, they were like, Oh, okay. Well, here we are. The place you said we weren't going to be. <laughs> and uh, I've, I'm still getting crap to this day. Cause I'm just like, Oh, this anime is not that bad. And they were like, yeah, okay. We heard that. Well, to be fair, so, the first season wasn't that bad. Yeah. I mean, questionable fan service, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but other than that, just, uh, you know, living real life and uh, not much interesting there. Yeah. So I've been, let's see, I've been sort of busy, but not like mostly just working, especially with the whole pandemic going on. You know, luckily I've been able to work from home, so I haven't had any issues there. You know, most recently I went up to New Hampshire to film some content with one of my friends that should be showing up soon on his site. I think it's wintermoongames.com. And he got some old board games from his grandmother's house. And basically we just went through, opened up a few, looked at it, set up the boards and Basically, just did like a quick review and a rundown. Some of them were absolutely hilarious. One of them was the the mask. Remember the Jim Carrey movie? Oh. So 
There was a, a 3D board game of the mask. That was just absolutely, it was so bad. <laughs> it was just absolutely you, hilarious. Uh, uh, you landed on, oh, you have to draw a smoking card. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so like, Apparently you played this. And and th- the worst part was is the Stanley Ipkiss uh, little pawns or characters that you, you have to move around the board looked like they belonged in uh, Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> they were just the poses and everything were just so bad. But while I was up there, there's also this kind of used DVD record store type of thing. So I traded in, well, they also have books and stuff too. So I had a bunch of manga that I needed to get rid of primarily the soul eater volumes because I was just so, so disappointed with how that, that whole series ended that it it was a very good series but yeah i didn't quite follow the logic of like madness equals fear (laughs) and it took like five volumes for the final battle which resulted in absolutely nothing so you had this big huge lead up and such a huge letdown so it was just i don't want these anymore (laughs) so well they they also set up the rules on the first episode and immediately threw them in the trash. Yeah. Well, which is like, all right, we're going to catch a hundred souls and then a witch soul. And then, uh, you know, you get to be a, the, the Grim Reaper's scythe or whatever. And that was immediately out the window after uh, on episode two. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least, <laughs> at least the manga finishes the story. The anime, which I have yet to actually finish, I mm. believe only gets barely even halfway through the manga story because they get up to Excalibur and from up from what I've been told is that's pretty much where it ends there. Mm-mm. No, it goes so it goes further than that. Okay. All right. Well, there's soul eater and then there's soul eater not. Yeah. Which is a completely separate story altogether. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a good title for it though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not soul eater, <laughs> but what I did do too, because I got quite a bit of money from from the manga and the other stuff that I had traded in, was I ended up getting all of the Phase Three Marvel movies. Mm. Because in Disney's infinite wisdom, they decided not to do a Phase Three box set like they did with Phase One and Two. So, well, you had- know the un- the unfortunate thing is, if you have Disney Plus, the only three movies you can't get that are part of the entire Marvel phases so far is Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. Yeah, the Spider-Mans, I think, is because Sony is handling the distribution yeah. of those. Don't remind me of that pain. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it was like, that was the, the most aggravating thing because uh, I guess they teamed up with Amazon to release these really fantastic, very detailed uh, box sets. And then they decided, oh, we're going to team up with Best Buy and do a complete MCU box set, but then didn't really announce a a release date for it. And they all sold out right away. And now they're like hundreds of dollars on eBay. So I also did pick up some some anime too, both there and on Right Stuff, since they were having some, some sales and other things. Yeah, this is everything. So... I ended up getting Promare, the new uh, Studio Trigger feature film. 
Yeah, I still have to see that one. Uh, it looks really good. So, I got... And it's totally not Kamina, uh, who's the lead yeah, character. No, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy for them that they were finally able to do what they wanted to do with uh, Gurren Logan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got Kami-sama, Kami-sama dolls, which was a free $25 blind bag that I got from the promo code from the anime lockdown promotion that was on the the right stuff uh, panel that they did. Oh, okay. I, I vaguely remember, but I don't think I saw it. Yeah, during their panel, they had a, a promotion code that you got. Oh, I meant Kami-sama dolls. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but it looks interesting. It's Sentai Filmworks released it, and it is Senji Kishi was the director for it. So I picked up Aquarian Logos, where the letters come to life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Aquarian is ridiculous enough, but now you have letters coming to life. It's like, okay. (laughs) I figured I just picked that up just to complete the whole series there. And then I got Brave Witches, and I got Fully Cooly Progressive and Alternative, the Blu-ray box set. Tokyo Godfathers. Ah, there's yeah. a good one. Yeah. I was like surprised that I n- I didn't have that in my collection yet. That that is probably one of my if not my favorite one of my favorite anime Christmas movies. Yeah. <laughs> As I said before, Konosuba. Mhm. And just a really classic anime title, Common Nomad Guy. Oh, I remember that. Oh. He's got 18 senses. <laughs> I, I actually used to watch that with my anime club. <laughs> when, I saw, when I saw that discotheque released it on Blu-ray, I was like, I have to get that. <laughs> I'll never forget his catchphrase. Q, Q, Q. Sadly, no, uh, no English dub, just Japanese with English subtitles. Oh, all you need is the Japanese. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, I, I, I kind of turned the corner a while ago. I, every now and then, sure, but there was actually a point where, like on Railgun, they recently like made it so for some reason I can only see it in English, and I just kind of stopped watching it until the Japanese was available again. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm I'm not really digging the English voices, especially it's like when you're like four seasons in and you're used to a voice, all of a sudden they just drop like that on you. Forget uh, it. Yeah. Oh, you think that's bad? <laughs> Get two seasons in and then they have to change the, the voice of the main protagonist because of legal reasons. <laughs> oh, like they did with High School DxD. <laughs> The first time I dealt with that was uh, when I was watching Excel Saga. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, Jessica Calvello uh, had to jump out like four episodes in because the doctor said it was going to destroy her voice. <laughs> so I also was forced to buy a new computer chair because my current one has the bonded leather and it's just been flaking off like crazy. So... I've been searching forever, and I ended up having to buy a uh, Secret Labs quote-unquote gaming chair. So 
that was an expense I didn't really want to pay. And the best part is I had to pay now and I'm not going to get it until probably about September. So, mm. so that's even better. <laughs> well, actually, you know, one thing, sorry, go ahead. I thought you think that's bad. My mother actually recently purchased the, uh, she's working from home and she purchased a chair and they've, they were supposed to come on the fourth. Didn't show up. They were supposed to come on the 10th. Didn't show up. So, it's just not showing up now. <laughs> They've had to give a refund. So yeah. So hopefully it shows up. But I, I was just gonna say last two things. I just remember I've been doing all the time watching a lot of Joe Bob Briggs on Shutter every Friday. Loving that. Driving um, back, baby. Oh God, I am loving life. Me, I, see, me and my brother for the longest time. Like we thought that we were the only ones watching. Like. Joe Bob Briggs like Monster Vision on TNT and like he was like this celebrity to us and we were like, yeah, we're the only ones who remember him and then come to find out everybody loved the guy. So oh, now no, he's no, back. No, no. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. I I vividly remember my childhood uh, waking up and going to watch Joe Bibbs uh Monster Vision and getting to watch Godzilla and getting yep. all the, the the older Showa era Godzilla movies. Introduced me to a whole range of zombie flicks I didn't know existed. Just Serpent in the Rainbow and all that stuff. So, uh, so I'm loving life that that's back. And also, I recently got my hands on a VHS player. And that's going to be fun because I have bins and bins of VHSs that, I, that were all bootlegs from a comic book shop from ages ago. Oh, uh, half of them I haven't even able to watch a lot of out of print animes and some interesting like what are like for instance um 1950s communism psas and things like that or 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 christian hygiene (laughs) things like you know interesting things that people collected so i i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what the hell i got i i did find mtv spots of jay and silent bob uh when they were actually promoting clarks oh nice so, <laughs> you get a different all that stuff you know uh i actually uh, the one i got has a dvd recorder built into it i bought it for five dollars from a tag sale so oh, wow <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to say the name Christian Hygiene Videos is there's something I don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole <laughs> uh, but you know it's going to have like uh, uh, Goofus and Galant and that kind of stuff so. yeah. <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> that's great I feel like I was going to say something else too here but I can't remember so I think at that point we're going to move on to our, our first segment here, and that's Thomas's think, top five YouTube channels to watch or something like that. Well, I'll, I'll just give a quick one now because sure. you'll hear me say it again in the video proper. But yeah, the segments you'll probably be hearing me do most on this show is I'm going to do simple countdowns of different things. And so for this first one, I thought with the uh, pandemic, I thought I'd let people know of the top five YouTube channels to they maybe don't know of of that they should probably be watching because they're very entertaining. The Evil Horde, new from the Masters of the Universe collection. All figures each sold separately. I can't get over, over to you. It's so good. Silly rabbit. 
rabbit. Tricks are for kids. Favorite holiday songs on the Solid Gold Christmas Special. Friday at 8 on Channel 2. There's only one two. Sometimes grown-ups touch kids in ways they don't like. Hey there, Tom here with Tom's Top 5, a brand new segment where we count down the top five things of things, because, well, let's face it, if you've known me for the past ten years, which if you have, God bless you, and may the Lord have mercy on your soul, um, let's be honest, I'm not really that creative, and this is honestly the probably the least offensive thing I probably could have done for this show. But with that being said, I am still a crazy nut job that can make lists about anything, so expect the unexpected <laughs> with these lists. Sometimes they will be simple lists, you know, top five ships, top five weapons, top five anime, blah, blah, blah. And then you have things like our first segment here, which, you know, we've all been dealing with quarantine, ladies and gentlemen in our own special ways. Uh, some found video games, some found reading, some found bottles of alcohol to help them get through the, uh, the quarantine. Me, I did, I think, quite well because, you know, I had a steady diet of YouTube channels to watch. And my God, the YouTube channels that I am subscribed to. But, you know, it got me thinking... You know, a lot of these channels are really good, and, you know, there are a lot of people, I think, who just don't know about them. You know, some of them only have 200,000 subscribers, which sounds like a lot, but in YouTube land, isn't a lot, though. Let's be honest, most of us would kill just to have that many subscribers. But, you know, still, these channels probably should have more people knowing about them, because they do a lot of good work. So, today, I'm going to count down my top five channels that you should be watching during quarantine. Or in the case of it's now summer and quarantine over, save them for, you know, winter. When we're quarantined, when the second wave hits and we're quarantined for another three months with nothing to do. But that being said, here are the top five YouTube channels that you should be watching during the quarantine. Now at number five, you know, what? one thing I think everybody loves is theme parks and there are no shortage of theme park videos that you can find on YouTube, from theme park POV videos that do roller coasters and things like that, and other rides. You have theme park historians like the Funkland, which is a really great channel and great series, uh, and everything in between. And then there's, of course, theme park reviewers and comedians. Uh, one such is Theme Snark and Friends, featuring a gentleman who goes by the name of The Spaz. Uh, Spaz is a great reviewer. He really does a great job of blending comedy, which uh, are reviewing, and history, and biography. He does many different things while also reviewing theme parks. He also has a monster vlog and does uh, Let's Plays. Uh, but the two big things that I would point out for people to watch are his top 25 Disneyland attractions. I would go with the most recent one, as that's the most recent list he's done. And also the Universal Studios Hollywood Retrospective, which goes through the history of Universal Studios Hollywood, starting with the Tran Tour, then going to the upper lot, and then going to the lower lot, and everything that has changed over the years at Universal Studios Hollywood. 
So again, if you're looking for something different involving theme parks, I think Theme Park Snark and Friends is a great, very funny channel that you should definitely check out. Now, moving on next, I'm going to cover something, you know, we all love video games. And, you know, in the past 10 years, there's been a re-rise in a way of arcades that, you know, do free play and, you know, things like barcades and retrocades and things like that. And the channel that I'm about to talk about uh, is Free Play Arcade, which is the official YouTube channel of a company in the Dallas Fort Worth area that uh, basically has a bunch of different locations uh, that do uh, what are called free play and there are barcades as well. So they like they have a bar and they serve food and they have usually a big room filled with many different sort of classic and retro arcades from the 80s and 90s, even 2000s that you can play. And this is their official YouTube channel. I think this is a really great introduction if you're looking into getting into YouTube videos about arcades. Uh, because they do many different things. They have arcade playthroughs. They have discussions about how to like run an arcade. Um, they have like, fighting game tournaments that they stream on Twitch as well. Uh, but one of my favorite things is they constantly go to different uh, arcade auctions. And you can watch them bid on arcade machines that they ultimately fix up and then put into their arcades. Uh, so it's really a great introduction to the many different types of things you might find on other arcade channels. And then you can branch from there. But again, these are the individuals who run the company are former lawyers. So you can learn all the different things that you need into running an arcade from the legal aspect to it to the technical aspect to it and anything in between and it's a really great channel to watch uh, to see how they're changing up and of course if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area you, you know it allows you to keep up to date with what they're doing moving on to number three let's talk about animals everybody loves animals right and I know what you're saying Tom this is YouTube you can throw a rock and hit 20,000 different animal channels why are we gonna talk about animals true it's very, very true, but in this case, I want to talk about an animal channel that definitely should be watched that I don't know if many people know of. This is Chandler's Wildlife. Now, the said aforementioned Chandler is a young man in South Florida who works at the Everglades Outpost uh, with alligators and different animals that they have there, and has his own snake room there uh, that he most of the time is where most of his videos take place which features monitor lizards, uh, small crocodiles, and uh, caimans, and many venomous snakes from rattlesnakes to mangrove snakes, uh, pit vipers, bush vipers, venomous snakes from all across the world, including two massive king cobras. It's just a really good animal channel because he's just got such an infectious charisma about him that just makes him entertaining to watch. Um, it's amazing how well he can handle the snakes, and um, you know, he has a little crocodile that he's raising since birth called Izzy that is just so tamed and docile. It's amazing to see him work with Izzy um, and work with his other snakes, and he makes it look easy. It isn't, I think, a really good channel. It's very entertaining uh, going through his history, seeing him work, uh, going to other small zoos to help out there with 
like their massive alligators and things like that. It's just a really fun, engaging channel and it's just a joy to watch. And that's all because Chandler is an absolutely engaging and entertaining guy. On to number two. Well, it wouldn't be a countdown about YouTube channels if I didn't talk about a YouTube channel that was basically nothing but mostly less plays. But this one, this one's interesting and one of the ones that I've had the hardest to try to figure out how to describe. Because at number two, I have Air Force Proud 95. Air Force Proud 95 does really one game. Flight Simulator X uh, for Steam. Uh, he will either be the pilot of a plane that he is flying or air traffic controller uh, bringing planes into an airport in the game. The reason why this is entertaining, basically he is, as a commercial pilot himself, plays it semi-serious and uses actual terminology, which is really funny when you have kids and young men who are just there to fly a plane and have no idea what he's saying. And of course there are also people who do know what he's saying and have fun with it and it's just the insanity of, it's not so much the gameplay as much as it is the audio commentary that you hear going on. It, it's so hard to describe. It, it's literally something I have to say you have to go watch for yourself. In particular, I would suggest going watching one of his best of the year videos of, you know, particularly 2019, 2018, or 2017, where it's just a big clip show. It's just, I've never laughed harder in my life than while watching these videos because some of the stuff that has been said on these videos and that has taken place is absolutely hilarious. I wouldn't think it'd be so funny, but it is. So, Air Force Proud 95. I cannot suggest checking out his videos enough. And at number one, uh, I'm talking about 3D Bot Maker YouTube channel, uh, which features die-cast sports racing. Obviously, I'm talking about like Hot Wheel cars and Matchbox cars. And yes, it is exactly what it sounds. It's they're racing Matchbox and Hot Wheel cars down a custom-made track. But the reason it's so good is several things. One, the track itself. 3D Bot Maker started out by making custom tracks using a 3D printer. And as such, over the years, he's made the track that he films on more and more amazing. It's basically this giant hill, but the model work is absolutely amazing from little figures, little benches, and like, if you love looking at sort of the type of great model work that you might find on a train set, the really good ones that have like the massive trains displays, it's that type of quality. So the model work is just amazing. Adding to that, and the race systems are very easy to follow, very, very competitive, and have been fun. And I've seen some amazing, amazing races on this channel. And the last thing that adds to all of that is the commentary. There's actually commentary from 3D, Botmaker himself, and his partner 2D, who commentate on the races, and they are just absolutely hilarious. They bring the right blend of sort of comedy along with sort of really good sportscasting and talking about what is happening in the race. Um, 
which again, it, they make it sound like the racers are there when it, again, it's toy cars and you know, it's you let the let the dominoes fall as they may. You just let them go down the track and whatever happens, happens. But they put stories behind it that are really fun and entertaining. And that's what makes it so fun to watch. So you have great commentary, along with tracks that allow for great races of these toy cars and magnificent model work. Three Bot Makers YouTube channel of featuring 164 diecast um, toy car racing. You have to check out. So that's my list. That's my top five. Let me know what you think in the comments. So until next time. Peace. All right. Well, that was Thomas's top five to entertain you during the our top five YouTube channels to to watch while to entertain you during the pandemic. And like I said in the video, if you're you from forced to go to work now, don't worry. Just keep them on standby because in another couple of months, when the second wave hits, you're gonna be when we're quarantined again. You'll have them. <laughs> I have a couple too to watch. These are kind of channels that I pretty much watch every day or at least whenever they upload a a video. One of them is a daily vlogger called Sick Cooper, S I C C O O P E R. He owns a retro video game store called Double Jump Videos up in Vancouver, Washington. Um and basically it's just kind of his daily vlog of running the store and the stuff he gets in the stuff he's selling and i don't know it's just it's simple yet entertaining and then there's also another channel and the name is escaping me right now <laughs> but i think it's called let me see if i can find it here really quickly well while you're looking for that i know uh Kaja, you had two channels right uh yeah now the thing is a lot of times i <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try not to uh, uh, skew too often towards the spookier side of stuff. <laughs> but it's kind of where I tend to go, uh, either that or like ridiculous humor. But um, one thing I found, uh, Blame It on Jorge, it's called. And it's a lost media and kind of a mystery channel. They got things like the most dangerous rabbit hole on the internet and uh you know things like top 20 uh saddest moments or in kids shows uh yeah lots of lost media where not only will he be like hey so there's this episode and here's the only surviving clip that anybody can find but he'll then go out and actually search for it and get the story on how it ended up missing and things like that did they ever um, do an episode on eureka's castle <laughs> i don't know and, you know, it's funny. I do know that show. I do know that show. I remember Bog and Quagmire. <laughs> They're like the little monsters that were under the bridge. And I, I think there was a dragon dude, too. I say that because not many people do remember that show. And just like you want to see something really strange, be a worker at McDonald's. And when it starts being lunchtime and you go and you start seeing picnic time and all your coworkers have no clue in <laughs> On God's green yeah. earth, what you're seeing. <laughs> the other one I have is uh, Atrocity Guide. I believe it's called. Hold on, let me just double check that one. 
It's not as horrible sign that I can get. I mean, it's not as horrible as it sounds. So they do, uh, once again, more mysteries on uh, online and stuff. And like these history, like say sometimes you'll find something kind of weird online, like a meme or, or something kind of bizarre. But if it has to do with the internet and something kind of bizarre and obscure, they dig up the entire story in its entirety and then present it as like almost like a mini documentary, usually lasting around anywhere from like 15 to like 30 minutes. Like the fall of Phoenix Jones. Uh, that's like the most recent one they did, who was, uh, I don't know if you heard about him. He was the real life superhero who was going around. I've never heard of him. No, he was a dude who was like literally like a superhero. He was like walking around with Mace in a superhero costume and patrolling his his neighborhood and whatnot. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so that's definitely another one to check out. I did find the uh, the other channel. It's called I Like to Make Stuff. He posts or uploads a video every Thursday, and it's basically just kind of random projects that he does. Sometimes they are sponsored. Like he did a uh, a Mortal Kombat 11 arcade cabinet once, but it's really kind of just him making stuff to either improve his workshop, which can then help other people improve it, like building benches or storage containers into the benches or just doing simple room renovations or not necessarily renovations, but little kind of updates to spruce up a space basically and it's just kind of it he's very entertaining and yeah so i watch his stuff whenever he posts a video and it's just kind of nice to sit there and relax and and watch him work so so yeah yeah um, that, but that's the thing it's like and that's why i did this list it's like like everybody has youtube channels that they find interesting that they think people should check out so G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Battle attack! Your Dragon Buster can't stop the most powerful robot in the universe. The what? The slime pit. Autobots, this is our new city, Metroplex. It can transform into a battle station and then transform again into the gigantic Metroplex himself. All right, so now we're moving into the news. This week, we haven't had too much stuff going on. A lot of it is revolving around the current situation that we're in with the whole pandemic going on. And yeah, all of that stuff. So I guess one of the the biggest things that I saw this past week here is that AMC has... uh, I don't want to say a bit complaining, but basically had announced uh, or released a statement saying that they have substantial doubt that they can remain in business due to the fact that they've been closed since March and April and have had really zero revenue come in at that point. This statement was released on June 3rd, and then the following week, they released a statement on June 9th which was uh, the the Tuesday saying that they're reopening all their theaters in July. (laughs) So it's basically, I guess they took a hard look at everything and was basically. So there's there's two things, both these articles. One, 
they doubtful they can remain in business because of the pandemic. No, it, sure, the pandemic. It has nothing to do with that over the past 10 years. Well, <laughs> you and every other movie theater. <laughs> true. I, well, so they were saying that they, they were seeing some pretty big spikes in business prior to March. So they were doing pretty good compared to previous years. And then March hit. killed them but still you know for any business though not having any income for two months is just not good at all well that's true but it's also that they're you know stock people need to understand that stocks aren't necessarily what you're making now it's the expectation yeah that you're selling of what you're going to make and And part of how they were able to sell the expectation is you know i saw this meme uh, actually the other day, somebody said, uh, you know, I can't wait for movie theaters to open so I can pay $72 for a box of popcorn and a soda. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I highly doubt that a theater chain as big as AMC would shut down Yeah, for for no revenue for two months. I mean, <laughs> I could see, and then you, you also had the whole thing of AMC banning universal studios movies because they release trolls to video on on demand which i believe it was uh more along the lines of like they were going like oh we made money i think we're going to keep doing this after the theater is open yeah and then universal was or was it you yeah universal was saying it's like this was just kind of a thing that we needed to do to make money not that this is what we're going to do in the future. Uh, we're still planning on releasing movies to the theaters once everything reopens. But yeah, I mean, it sucks for everyone right now. Oh, we'll, but we'll, we'll see how uh, much AMC keeps that promise to not show Universal when you know Fast and the Furious two hundred thirty six comes out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because- how about we make uh, drive-ins the big thing again? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's starting to come back. There's there's a local restaurant here in Massachusetts that just got permits to put a outdoor movie screen in their parking lot. Now nice. that, that was the thing I heard was really doing well because of this was drive through like the five that are still left in the country, but drive uh, drive in movie theaters. Yeah, so I actually have one about maybe twenty thirty minutes from my house. And uh, unfortunately, because all the theaters are shut down, they are extremely limited. Like all they have is um, that new Disney Pixar one that came out. I can't think of the name. Onward. Onward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have that one, Jurassic Park. For a little while, they were doing the Goonies and one of the Harry Potter movies. So they're pretty limited. Or as yeah. I like to call Onward, the Disney writing staff plays D&D, and they just decided to make one night session an actual story for their next animated movie. <laughs> yeah, it was it was okay. <laughs> so speaking of things that have been shut down... <laughs> Don't I know it? So we, ha- we also have a conventions, and some of them have been moving to online conventions, or virtual conventions. So Funimation is having their own virtual convention, which I took a quick peek at their lineup and it looks like it's just kind of a bunch of voice actors and some, I guess, industry panels. Yeah. Well, not really quite sure what to expect from them, but I did sign up. That's going to be July 3rd through the 4th. 
If you are interested in any more information on that, you can head to our site, 132productions.com, and we will have links in the show notes for where to go for that. And then also San Diego Comic-Con, like the biggest comic book convention and pop culture convention in, I don't know if it's in the world, but I know it's at least in, in North America, ended up canceling the convention, but they are doing a at home or comic con at home virtual convention that is free for anyone who would like to attend and that's going to be july 22nd through the 26th so don't worry though city will make you feel at home before you can actually enter a panel room you're gonna have to stand outside for six hours yeah in the blazing sun yep and if, if it's cold in your area i'm sure they'll ship a uh heating lamp to you that will replicate the the California sun for you. Complete with naked guy that has only a sign saying the world is coming to an end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Scream in your face with a mega uh, a bullhorn there. And to really gain the experience, take your uh, dirty socks out of the laundry and just kind of hold them in front of you. <laughs> so you can get the whiff of the guy in front of you the yeah. whole time. Exactly. Now, I, I will say this about Comic-Con. Since, it, you know, we're probably expecting a lot of movie announcements, I have one that I want to happen, and I'm looking directly at you, Paramount. Give us the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bleep and bleep. You know, this movie's now been delayed, uh, postponed, like, two or three times. Just give us the trailer so we have something to sink our teeth into. Please, for the love of God. Yeah. Have they figured out how to handle the enormous size difference between the two? Well, that's why we want to see a trailer. Yeah. It's like, you know, Kong climbed a building. Godzilla was picking his teeth with one. So. Yeah. Is that they did recreate the tree scene from the original Godzilla versus Kong. (laughs) So since you were speaking about movies, there's there's one topic, too, that I didn't put in the notes. But it's the uh, Marvel Phase 4 movies that have been all screwed up over this delay. So Black Widow, which was supposed to have been released last month, which has now been moved to November 6th. And The Eternals, which was supposed to be in that spot, is now on February 12th of 2021, which is then pushed Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings, is now May 7th of 2021. And then, so it's then pushed uh, Spider-Man Far From Home sequel, which is then pushed Doctor Strange, which is then pushed uh, Thor, which is then pushed Black Panther, which is then pushed Captain Marvel 2. And then there's an untitled Marvel movie, which is slated for October 7th of 2022. The other problem, too, that they're facing is that with Spider-Man, because it's not really a Disney Marvel property, it's really Sony. And Sony is wanting to do their own non-MCU cinematic universe that I guess sort of ties in with with this Spider-Man Far From Home sequel. It's going to cause some issues here because it's then going to delay Sony's timetable because you have, was it Morpheus? Or Morpheus, Morpheus or something. With Morpheus, the, which I believe is supposed to come out this fall. Yeah, with uh, Jared Leto, who turns himself into some sort of vampire type of thing. Well, so. Morpheus was a in-between type character, allies, but sometimes villain, 
that was it Morbius? Oh, yeah. Morbius. Yes, Morbius. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, yeah. I was like, who the hell is Morbius? <laughs> well, he, he's confusing the Spider-Man villain with the God of Dreams, uh, uh, or the guy who offered a red and blue pill. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's a uh, he has vampire-like powers, but he's not a vampire, which is yep. really having me hope for this big crossover where it's going to be Venom, Morbius. Spider-Man and Blade. <laughs> yeah. So. But uh, uh, and then also there's the whole Disney Plus shows as well that are going to be pushing all of those shows because that those all tie in with the Phase Four movies at least some point at least some part. So so everything's all screwed up. <laughs> We're just gonna have a very packed 2021 and. 2022 <laughs> that that's basically and by the way as far as sony so don't forget the amy pastel uh effect because never underestimate amy pastel wanting to insert herself and completely ruin the movie yeah <laughs> so with all of that we're gonna move into our second spot with neo kage interviewing uh i can't remember his name john paul john paul who was the person who put on the online virtual <laughs> informative conference call, whatever you want to call it, anime lockdown. We, we never, I mean, like I, I specifically asked if this title has been locked down yet. Remote convention, virtual yes. convention, teleconference convention. Um, I, I don't think... We have established like a permanent title yet. Yeah. So, all right. So, here we go. Thundercats will be back after these messages. A little bit of magic happens when you give my child its first kiss on the nose. Baby ponies have very eyes. In our next episode of G.I. Joe, do you find an unexpected ally in the shadows of the arena of sport? Just tired because you didn't have a good breakfast like I did. Is this the end of Dargon's loyal friend? Watch the next episode of Sectors by Coleco. I'm sitting with John Paul, the creator of Anime Lockdown. What up? A con in quarantine. Now, first and <laughs> foremost, just to get my uh, vocabulary correct, would you call this a remote convention or a virtual convention how what would you what were you referring to it as when talking about it uh you know that's a good question i usually just said an online anime convention i feel like remote and virtual have a different connotation but i they're not necessarily incorrect uh i know crunchyroll i think called us a teleconference event <laughs> teleconference so it's you know whatever whatever people want to call it but just did you know we just hosted panels on twitch that sounds more like office work to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was very much like, it's weird because like if I, if I step back and look at it, it's like, I kind of hosted an educational three day event unintentionally. Like I just wanted to have fun, but it ended up being like a, most of the panels were educational. <laughs> all right. So lockdown starts all the craziness of worlds ending and all that. Uh, what kind of got you thinking? Like, I'm gonna try to, <laughs> I'm gonna try to put together this crazy ass project in the middle of all this chaos. 
it, it actually it started shortly after I lost my job. Uh, I work in the film business, and all the film sets where I live shut down mid-March. So like March 10th or 11th, I think, was the last day I went to work. And uh, that weekend after I had been laid off is the wrong word because I technically didn't really have a job. I was in between jobs. And the one that I was going to go on just decided not to start. So I wouldn't say that I was let go. Uh, they just decided not to film that. Um, but the, that first weekend, uh, my old local anime convention, Anime Detour, announced that they were canceling for the year. And uh, a bunch of my friends were upset about this. And I, I thought, like, what if what if we do our own convention? Like, we could just do an online thing. We'll have panels. We'll do meetups, whatever. Uh, and And I didn't really think about it for another couple of weeks. But then the weekend where Detour would have happened uh, came by, and these same people were, were lamenting the fact that the convention had, had canceled. And that's when I thought about it again, like, no, let's let's do this. Let's do an online anime convention. And then I made the anime lockdown Twitter, and uh, you know, it, it just kind of evolved from that point on. For, it took a while to gain traction. I think we had like 20 followers for the first two or three weeks, and then once we announced all of our guests... That's when it really blew up. Speaking of which, did you like do this solo or did you like, I know you said you got 20 people. Were they like motivation or were, was anybody like pitching in somebody like almost like a partnership or anything? Um, for the, for, for the beginning, it was just me. Cause we, we put this together in about 27 days, I think just under a month. And so the first maybe two weeks was me. And then, um, then people started asking about helping with moderation. Um, the biggest help would have been uh, Tony, Tone Dog. Uh, he joined and he organized the entire vendor hall. Um, but the, the followers on Twitter were just random. I just started a Twitter account and was just following people left and right, hoping people would follow back. <laughs> they weren't necessarily people I know. Some of Many of them were. Um, and I think that helped over time is they're like, oh, wait, I know that guy. And that's why I, I was able to get some of the panelists that I was able to get because I wasn't just like a random name they'd never heard of. Yeah. Uh, but the first couple of weeks was just me. Thank goodness I, I ended up getting help because I don't think I could have done it alone. It, what's funny is I'm looking at these other online conventions and they have enormous teams. <laughs> like uh, WebCon is one that's coming up. I don't know when this podcast is getting released, but they're the last weekend of May. Uh, they have a fairly sizable staff and like Corin Khan was also a, a very large staff. Whereas, you know, for the most of this was me and Tony, um, which is wild thinking about it. Yeah. What, what was like the first step? Did you have anything to base this on? Like, were there previous conventions like this? There, there were previous conventions, but the idea, I, the, the, the lockdown as people, uh, went to it was mostly the original vision I had in my head before I started doing any research. Um, there were a couple cons that I attended uh, beforehand. Uh, Quarren Con was a Discord convention, and then OnCon, which I didn't attend as it was happening, but I watched their archived version, or at least a decent chunk of that. Uh, that was a YouTube convention with some ancillary things. I think they used like a watch party app to do anime viewings. And I, I think they may have had like uh, gaming stuff on discord. You know, a lot of it was, I just, I, I had that idea. I was like, we could just host panels on Twitch. You know, it's easy. It's just like doing a podcast. 
It's just somebody else is, is running the show. And I, I based a lot of it on my workflow uh, from doing radio. And then the big burst, I guess, would have been uh, when people asked if we were going to have a vendor hall and then Tony joined and then we got all the vendors coming in. Because originally I was just going to do panels on Twitch. Uh, and then when the guests started getting involved, uh, and then, of course, the industry panels were kind of the big, uh, I guess, blips on the radar in terms of, like, big evolutions. Uh, but but really, the if you take those things out, the, the event went down kind of the way I had always planned it to. Yeah. Just with the addition of the uh, vendors. I didn't really take part in the vendor thing. When I went there, I pretty much only experienced the Twitch side of things. And yeah, I figured some people would. I wasn't even really sure exactly how the whole vendor thing went down. Was this just a separate website in particular where like people could like shop for almost like artist alley things or. Uh, yes, ish. Uh, so we had a discord channel that we opened up. Uh, I think it was like three days before the convention mm-hmm. and every vendor had their own channel where they could showcase their merchandise and uh, they would have links to purchase. I, I'm not sure all of the details. I didn't. I didn't handle any of the vendor side. I just oversaw as Tony did it. Uh, but I clicked around in some of them, and it looked like a lot of it was showing pictures and links to uh, where to purchase their stuff. And um, we had a very simple waiver in the Discord channel, just saying that you were entering into an agreement with that seller, and that we weren't a part of that transaction in any way. And if you um, liked that waiver with an emoji then the vendor hall became accessible. So it seems like you pretty much had like backups for backups. Like you had a plan A, B and C going into this thing. I uh, did. I had a lot of backup plans cause I was really nervous about things not going well. And some things did fail, which I expected them to. And uh, we were able to calmly pivot. Um, thankfully, a lot of that just comes from my background in production and, and doing live broadcasts is that always expect that something could go wrong and don't panic when it goes wrong because, you know, you have to have a plan and that's what the backup plan is for. So like we lost our Facebook stream before the event even started. I was like, well, we knew this could happen. Fortunately, we have YouTube and we have Twitch. And then the YouTube got kicked at the end of the uh, first day. And I was like, well, we still have Twitch. (laughs) And then on day two, Twitch got shadow banned. Like, well, that's why we have a backup Twitch and a backup backup Twitch. (laughs) You know, it's just like, it's something I had to be ready for. And I also had a, uh, I was telling you before we started, I had a backup phone number for panelists to call into in case Discord crashed or in case their computers crashed or internet wasn't working. Uh, There was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people didn't necessarily see. (laughs) It looks like that was time well spent planning all those things then. Yeah. And because then, especially because then when things did go wrong, I was prepared for them and it didn't freak me out. Um, and, and I saw people on Twitter like, oh, you know, the, the stream got canned, blah, 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 you know, typical da, da, da. And it's like, no, I knew this could happen and I have a plan. Uh, here's a link in case it happens again. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Like- I, I wonder if there's a way to collaborate because I, I understand I, I don't have anything to do with YouTube or anything, but just as an onlooker, it does seem like incredibly frustrating dealing with these major platforms because it seems like you don't really know what the rules are 90% of the time and you won't know until it's too late. Well, I mean, the rules are fairly straightforward. The, 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 the problem that you run into is the automatic flagging. Right. So I know that I can't show 
material that I don't have a copyright to on YouTube. I know that going in. That never changed, you know, outside of YouTube. The difference is YouTube doesn't have a way of knowing whether something falls into fair use without you telling them. And so like some of our panels got flagged when I posted them on the archive. And I was like, actually, this is an educational da 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 da. These clips are used to help reinforce blah 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 and the panels were like oh yeah you're right and they took the copyright claim off yeah i um, i know what you're talking about the ai is trying to figure out if it's fair use and it's just probably picking up little keys from the imaging yep i don't think we're quite there to let the ai uh make those choices but yeah <laughs> i don't, think yeah, they I don't do. know if we ever will be well the thing is with fair use is it, it has to be a moderated thing and it's just impossible right for somebody to sit and watch every single video most of the time when you post something that is flagged for copyright on youtube your video doesn't get pulled mm-hmm. um it's only every once in a while that it gets absolutely blocked most of the time it's just it'll just ding you and it'll say like hey if you make money on this a portion is going to go to the original creator and it's like that's fine i can live with that i'm not making money on youtube anyway I'm just hoping maybe like uh, if this continues in the future and uh, it becomes more well known that this is a thing, maybe they'll make maybe they can make some adjustments to be like, oh, no, that's not what that is. And kind of. Yeah, a I could away. have also reached out to YouTube and said, like, hey, we're doing this event. There's going to be a bunch of educational panels with clips. But I didn't want to risk them saying no, so I just didn't ask. <laughs> I got you. I got you. It's easier to say that you're sorry <laughs> yeah. than to uh, ask permission. Now that you know it's come and gone, what would you say were probably like the biggest learning experiences that came from it? Uh, probably to know more about the people on your staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that on um, Friday... Uh, somebody went through some old Twitter posts of one of our staff members and um, called them out. And uh, it was a bunch of stuff that I didn't know about at the time. Uh, And so that's something moving forward that we're going to be more uh, diligent on is like knowing who are the people that that are involved. Mm -hmm. I know also uh, in terms of reaching out to a wider variety of voices, that was something that I didn't know how to do. Uh, I just posted the, hey, submit your panel and come what may. And I accepted panels too quickly uh, because I was worried that nobody would show up. And uh, that's something that I I will be a lot more um, careful uh, if if we do this again, is to give a lot more time for people to submit their panels. Because most people wait until the last minute. Uh, But then also uh, to ensure that we have a wider variety. So it's not just guys presenting. That was the criticism that we got. Uh, to also reach out to specific uh, uh, people to say, hey, you know, we'd like your community to be represented. Uh, could you let, you know, you know, people in your community know, like, hey, there's a speaking opportunity as at this convention. That was one of the uh, uh, some of the advice that I got for how to do that better. Well, I mean, it's uh, you also had less than a month <laughs> sure well, yeah. and, and i don't i don't think anybody necessarily f- faults me for that i mean they they were disappointed that there wasn't more diversity in the programming <laughs> but it's also i i've never done this before right and it sounds like that's a fairly common mistake is not knowing how to reach out to um you know other people i just i just thought that you put a, a form on your website and people figure it out yeah on the more positive side, though, what, what do you think was like the most rewarding 
experience when it came to this? Uh, finding out that for a lot of people, we were the first anime convention they were able to attend was one of the best uh, experiences. Uh, a lot of people said that either they couldn't afford to go to real conventions, maybe they didn't have conventions in their area, uh, maybe they had a disability, or some people had uh, severe enough social anxiety that going into a convention was just too uh, emotionally draining on them. And so there there was a lot of people that got to experience a convention uh, for the first time. And granted, it's not a totally one-one experience. I, I feel that we did the, as close as, as possible, given the resources that we had. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I reached out to you and I told you that I had a, a family member who um, had exactly that issue. Um, very big anime fan for years and um, unfortunately has a, a bit of a anxiety issue and can't really attend. Attempted before and just didn't work out. And I really felt bad because he couldn't experience that part of the, the whole culture and the hype and all that. And it was pretty cool to actually uh, have them like, you know, engaged in that kind of thing and seeing what I get to experience at panels and whatnot. Yeah, it was that was definitely a high point for me. Uh, being able to uh, offer a platform for the vendors and the DJ to uh, make some money when, you know, their their source of income was taken away from them mm-hmm. uh, from everything being canceled. That was really cool. Uh, personally, my greedy answer would be getting to talk to Kyle and Veronica. Uh, (laughs) That was really special for me. I'm a big fan of both of them. Being able to show industry panels to people that would otherwise never be able to go to an industry panel because of the long waits in line, that was really cool. Uh, We had over 400 people watching the Right Stuff panel and over 800 people watching the Discotech panel. And like me personally, I've never been able to get into those panels before. Uh, because you just you have to wait for like an hour or so beforehand, and and people got to experience the hype of of unique anime announcements in a panel setting, uh, which is really cool. That's the first time I've been in uh, that situation as well, so that was really exciting for me. Yeah, I mean that finally brings me to my last question: Do you think that these kind of conventions have a place, you know, post COVID nineteen? Like, do you think these are going to continue? They do. I think that there's going to be less of them, but I think people moving forward are going to consider the online element more, uh, especially because, you know, they some of these big companies, they're going to already have the knowledge of, of how to do it. They'll have the experience of doing it. Whereas I think before Funimation or like Anime Expo, I believe just announced an online convention, they never had to do that before. You know, like, you know, you know maybe Funimation might release a quick teaser video on their Twitter account. But they've never been in a situation where that was the only way to get the word out that, you know, maybe they had a new product. And now those bigger companies are, are starting to explore that. Uh, I don't think there's going to be as many. And I, I also don't think that uh, if there's an anime lockdown, too, which I, I, th- I think that there will be. Uh, we still haven't officially decided that. Uh, I think it's going to be mostly fan panels because, you know, like companies like Discotech and Right Stuff aren't going to be in that situation where they have to do an online thing but i think that we can still have a lot of fun and uh personally i've always really enjoyed fan panels so i don't see anything wrong with having only fan panels at a convention i've usually gone to damn near exclusively fan panels (laughs) yeah 
I mean, those are my people, and I, I used to run a lot of them. Uh, I like the industry stuff, but it, it, again, the biggest deterrent for me has always been waiting in line. Yeah, so. yeah, I got you. Well, uh, I think that about do it. Hopefully, there is a anime lockdown too. I'm sure uh, as soon as I hear about it, I'll be mentioning it on the podcast. Yeah, I would. I mean, if if it does get announced, it probably won't be for for several several months. But we've we've been talking behind the scenes and um, working out different plans. So I would I would assume that it's going to happen, but we haven't decided a, like a specific date or anything. Okay. Well, awesome. Thanks a bunch for uh, talking with me. Uh, it was a very cool convention, and one of our co-hosts on the podcast uh, actually did a panel on there. Uh, it, oh, that's awesome. It was Geek Air. So, uh, oh, nice. With, uh, I believe, what was it? The strangest anime, something like that. <laughs> I forget what it was. Weirdest anime ever. Yeah, weirdest anime ever. him and uh, Gokuja, I think was his uh, co-host's name. Nice. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Doki Doki late night panel and some of the other late night panels that got a little <laughs> spicy, but <laughs> yeah, the hentai panel was quite spicy, but that's something that moving forward, that's going to be its own channel. That's age restricted. <laughs> it did not have the foresight to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least it didn't show nothing, right? But it uh, technically, you know, <laughs> whether Twitch agrees, it's another story. Create creative censorship can give you a lot of leeway yeah so <laughs> all right but thanks that was a uh, that was awesome no, anyway. yeah so i was kind of interested in getting this whole interview going because first of all i thought it was like really cool that the whole thing was wrapped up in like less than a month <laughs> like from conception to the end and also, um, I don't know, it was just kind of exciting actually being able to enjoy kind of a panel experience from home. And by the way, if you go on YouTube and look up uh, Anime Lockdown, they do have some panels that are saved there. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be able to get all of them up there because, you know, YouTube tends to flag things often. So, But uh, a good handful of them, uh, including the Late Night Doki Doki Literature Club panel. Oh, nice. Did you did you guys ever play that? I didn't play it, but I did watch the game Grumps play it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I was following that and like when they were like going through that, I was like, oh my god. And and Dan doesn't know. Dan doesn't know. This is gonna be great. And then they took like a two month break <laughs> right before the big reveal in the gameplay. And I was like, Are you kidding me? It was torture. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> that game kind of messes with you. The bridge is out, and the natives are restless. Rock, Lord, powerful living rock. You control their appearance, but no force in the universe can contain the power and the fury of Rock Lord. Introducing Serpentor, the ultimate Cobra Emperor. Looks like someone didn't have a good breakfast like I did. A Cheerios breakfast. Introducing Sweet Sea and Sea Star. Sweet Sea, you're my sweet baby mermaid. Introducing G.I. Joe Action Stars brand cereal, a delicious part of this complete breakfast. Crunchy stars that taste... All right, so moving right along here. This past week on the June 11th, Sony had their big reveal on the PlayStation 5. So we figured we might, well, might as well just talk about it here. Won't go too much into it because we don't want to waste too much more of your time here. And I'm sure... 
anyone listening to the show has already heard a lot more information here, but frankly, we might as well talk about it already and kind of just go over a few things here. So they haven't set a, as of now, they haven't set a date, release date or a price for it, but people are speculating somewhere around $500. They don't think that they're going to go above six since the PS3 60 gig console was set at $600 and Sony has said on multiple occasions that that was a mistake to release the console at that high of a price so most likely it's going to be like $499 or $550 or something like that so they had some pretty good game lineups there I'm kind of excited to play the uh the Miles Spider-Man game that they released that that is that is the I think that was the blockbuster announcement that they needed to do right off the bat because that was definitely one of their biggest games in the past couple of years. Yep. And and, and uh, Insomniac Games has gone out and said that this is a full game and not a update to the Marvel Spider Man game that they released uh, two years ago. Was it? Yeah, and yeah, it's not a DLC where you get to play as Black Cat pretending that she has had your child. Yep. And then there were some other ones too. Uh, I should have wrote them down because. Well, there was um, Square Enix had a the project Athia, which is yep. obviously a couple of years away. Uh, they showed Resident Evil Eight Village. Oh yeah, game I won't play, but did look kind of interesting. Uh. The uh, Horizontal Dawn 2, I guess. Horizon, Horizon Dawn there. Gran Turismo 7. Yep. The Goodbye something high school or something or other. That looked kind of interesting. The the one with the dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, high school dinosaur teens. <laughs> oh, the other one, uh, Stray, which looks really interesting. AKA the kitty game that... Yes. <laughs> I've been following the development of this game for like the past, I don't know, I don't know, six years or so. Oh, it's been developed that long. Yeah. Like four to six years at at least. And I'm so happy that it's, 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 it's almost there. So yeah, I'm excited to play that game. That other game can't remember the name, but it was like that astronaut dude at times square with the girl. By Capcom of all. Yeah. That looks kind of interesting. So yeah. I'm actually surprised there wasn't a maybe it was a, a fake piece of art that I saw. But I saw a piece of art that said six and it looked like a reused glove and it said tomorrow. So I thought there might be a trailer for Street Fighter Six, which actually now that I'm thinking of it doesn't make sense because they've already announced a new season for Street Fighter Five. Uh, so yeah. The aesthetics, everyone's kind of making fun of it, saying it looks like a router. Yeah, well, everybody was making fun of what Xbox put out, too. So. Yeah, you know. I, I will say yeah. My favorite image is somebody made an image of, like, six PlayStation 5s, and they're carrying the Xbox uh, X1 yeah, the, the, like the a coffin. Players. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty... But the, <laughs> the thing is, though, that I, I find a really nice aesthetic and, and kind of useful look is that on the inside of the collar... <laughs> of the console the the texture itself is the square triangle circle and x like repeated all on the inside yeah but also on the controller 
you have that pattern on the grip. And then apparently it's also on the camera and on the headset. So they're kind of going all in on this aesthetic and it looks really nice. So good on them. I'll say that. Comes in two editions. The physical, which has the the disk drive and the digital version, which doesn't have a disk drive. And people are speculating that there's going to be a $50 price difference between the two models. So I'm still kind of undecided on whether or not I am going to try and pre-order it once it goes up. Because Sony did say that they're most likely not going to have enough to cover demand for the holiday season when it does get released due to the whole, again, I feel like a broken record here because of the pandemic that's going on. It's kind of held up their, their, what am I looking for? Um, assembly, yeah. Assembly and output. They're, they're like, they're, they're supply chain, basically. Yeah. So it's almost as if it's a world-stopping event that brought every nation to its knees or something. I know, exactly. And his name is Donald Trump. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And the thing that really sucks is that you know that the vast majority of these people that are going to be pre-ordering the PlayStation 5 are going to be putting it up on eBay and charging double to triple prices because it's coming out during the holiday season and there's people that is going to be stupid enough to pay those prices so that their kids can have it for it's it's almost as if Chris, you're admitting that gamers are a bit of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. The thing is though, it's not, it's, it's not really the gamers that do it. It's the people that are. It's the uh, gamer bros. I, I know exactly who the people. gamer bros, and the it, and it's the people that that are taking advantage of the gamers that they don't even people that don't even necessarily play games, but they just see that there's a demand for a product. So yeah, it, it's, sad, but it, it, <laughs> it's sad, but it, it, at the same time, it's like they know this is their same. There's somebody willing to pay the exorbitant price. So, hey, let me put this up for sale, and then I'll buy another one later. Exactly. And it, because I'll make enough money to buy another one and a $500 profit. It's like just... You make you make enough to buy, like, four more. So, it's like, you know... So, yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's like, I'm kind of wondering, do I buy it right away, or do I wait until, like, there's a special edition that comes out, or... Because, like, I'm perfectly fine with my PS5 right now. You and mean PS4? PS4, yes. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, Chris has the hookup, and he already has the system. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> and he'll be selling it for $4,000 if you want it. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, is, like, a lot of the games, like, really don't seem to be coming out until next year. And then how far out till next year are they coming out? So it's... Well, for instance, with Spider-Man Noir, I'm sure there's going to be a PS4 version. And at this point, I think really the big difference is that with the PS5 games, you're getting the full 60 FPS 4K clarity. And that's the big thing with these games. But I have a PS4 Pro. <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> so you don't <laughs> you need it now? I know. No. That's the thing. <laughs> 
So, I mean, like, really, it, it does all come down to the games, really. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's nice to have Grand Theft Auto V, which is a game that came out, what, like, almost 10 years ago at this point? I think it was seven years ago they came out with it. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, that's that's fantastic that you get Grand Theft Auto V online and, and all that stuff, but... Which is like, really shocking, because I was here... You get Grand Theft Auto V Extended, which has like new content and everything. It's like that's fantastic, but it's like I still have a back catalog of all my PS4 games. Gee, it's great. I can play it on the PS5 where I can see the Griffers coming at me in 4K before they blow up my yeah exactly. truck and cost me two my two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, so I mean, it's like there's no doubt that I'm not going to not get a ps5 it's just do i need it right now and the answer is kind of no (laughs) but you know what i think for any reasonable person any system the answer is yeah no (laughs) i mean really it, it kind of comes down like really honestly it comes down to obviously the the availability of of the console the games and the price so so yeah well, as a dedicated PS guy since PlayStation 1, yeah, it's it's definitely come down to games, but they have the games, I think, also, in a way. It's just that they're going to be available on PS4, so, you know, again, Spider-Man Miles Morales being one of them. No, the big thing is when they reveal Final Fantasy VII Remake Chapter 2. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be... That's when they reveal that. That's when everybody say, "Okay, that's it. Time to get the PS5." <laughs> well, I mean, when they when they release the PlayStation Five Final Fantasy VII Edition, <laughs> then yeah, sure. <laughs> but that yeah. one's gonna be a thousand dollars, and it's gonna come with the uh, cloud on the motorcycle. But it's not also gonna come with Tifa in her party dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh God, Market Street! I, I I don't want to spoil anything, but literally, the Market Street chapter of Final Fantasy VII Remake is the best single chapter of any video game in the past ten years. All right, well, I have to get I have to get through what's the game I'm currently playing right now. Oh, I'm almost done with it. Nine, 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 nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. Mm-hmm. So I'm slogging my way through that right now, but which is kind of like. I don't know why I didn't play that game sooner. It's, it's really entertaining and really kind of engrossing. But anyway, I think with that, we're going to move on to our last segment of the show. And that's Sean's, who is from, and I'm probably going to butcher the name of it because I can never properly pronounce the Dublin? name. Uh, no, it, the, the name of his uh, podcast there. Oh, Geek Air. Geek Air, yeah, because those the Irish names are just... Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, E-I-R-E. Yes. I always want to say eerie, but I know it's wrong. Uh but anyway, Sean's on the street review of Zombieland. Meet the new glow friend. Bug Bug likes to read. Bug Bug likes to dance. There's something out there. Something you can't escape. And it's rocketing right toward you. Hey, B, no way a little dude like you is gonna change my ways. It's time you were tempted with the taste of nuts and honey. 
This is the future, yours to create and control with Capsella. See-through capsules come together in a snap. Motors turn, gears mesh, build a solar station. Kellogg's waits for you, that spirit comes shining through, promising you a great day. How's it going? And uh, welcome to 132 Productions. This is uh, Sean Alpha, the international correspondent for the for the podcast. I'm here to discuss uh, an excellent series called Zombieland Saga, which involves the loving relationship between Truck Kun and her love of Sakura. Um, Truck Kun is a very productive truck who ends up killing Sakura, who is a aspiring uh, idol singer who's on her way to audition for an idol group. Unfortunately, Chokun's meeting with Sakura ends up killing her. Sakura ends up waking up years later to find out that she's been uh, turned into a zombie, along with uh, various other uh, undead women from different timelines uh, and decades. The, the leader, who just refers himself as uh, the leader or the manager, uh, informs them they're creating a, an idol group to try to uh, bring back the economy of the, the local area. While she's the only one that has sort of any bit of consciousness, they, they all sort of gain some bit of consciousness and intelligence and memories from their former life back. Coming from uh, Studio Mappa, who's worked on countless other stuff, but probably one of the biggest things about this is the different changes from music. Uh, it starts off from heavy metal to idol music to rap. Very well done and orchestrated. Uh, the other thing as well as the the voice actors' performances. The, the voice actors' performances include uh, the famous V8 that was involved with uh, Sailor Moon, who does the, the, the lead character in Sailor Moon, uh, voices a character who mostly just uh, makes zombie noises and crows like a chicken, uh, which is absolutely hilarious. It's one of the sheer breathtaking things that's... Uh, that's out there as far as uh, animation because one is a brilliant uh, marketing tactic hire you know this top end VA performer um, and get a lot of her audience on board of watching the show only to discover that she's only making rooster sounds and zombie growls is, is this a show for everyone? no it's not you're not going to ex- expect a lot of animation or, you know, high-end action scenes or anything like that. But if you are a true fan of, you know, music uh, music genres and sort of excellent comedic moments, uh, one of my favorite scenes within the show has to be when they're being asked to do a commercial for a chicken place. And, you know, just the the various different uh, outtakes of being dressed up in a chicken outfit. Uh, 
it is comes with its own sort of motif of you know criticizing the idol industry, uh, which is you know it has been going on for sort of years. They do treat their idol singers really poorly, and it is sort of very subtly done. And it is something that has to be sort of addressed within their own country because no matter you know the amount of people that are actually addressing it from the outside, none of it is going to be actually done because the idol music industry is specifically a Japanese industry. A lot of these record studios, yeah, they, they work their actors to the bone their whole life it is. And that's kind of an excellent way of them actually uh, critiquing the sort of idol music industry where, you know, it, you're basically sacrificing your life for this career. There's no sort of way around it unless you're able to become uh, an actress out of it or you leave it completely. There's no in-between area where, you know, these girls can't date or something similar to that nature. Do I think that uh, you should probably watch this show? Uh, Absolutely. Probably one of the... Funniest moments in it is the fact that the truck that kills Sakura almost uh, basically attacks her not once but twice throughout the thing. And just the various different antics of the fact that, you know, your body parts can fly off. So this is 132 Productions. Uh, I know guest host or guest reviewer for the, for the podcast. Uh, make sure to, you know... Follow 132 Productions and stay tuned. And your patch may disguise an instant prize like a party with life-size transformers or electronic voice changers. How is my Diana Marie? That's Emma the Cabbage Patch Kids twins. They arrive together with special adoption papers. Who puts the future in your hands? If it were any more fun, you'd need a driver's license. All right, well, thank you, Sean, for that review of Zombieland. If you want more anime, you can check out his podcast at geekairpodcast.wordpress.com or you can check him out on Facebook. Same thing, Geek Air on facebook as well but that's gonna do it for the first episode of channel 132 podcast you can find us at 132productions.com where you can get all of our shows and all of the show notes with links and and whatnot of stuff we've talked about on the show we're on facebook at channel 132 podcast twitter at channel underscore 132 instagram right now it's still project 132 with a k i tried changing the name on that and it glitched on me and it froze me out for 14 days to change the name so as of right now it's still gonna be project 132 but again we don't really post much on there right now so not a big deal you can email us any questions comments segments if you want to you know create segments for the show here email us channel at 132productions.com you can listen to us at or listen to us on itunes i think it's google podcast now they they like moved all the podcasts away from the regular music portion but anyway we'll be on there we're on stitcher as well and we will soon be on spotify so until next time 
which will probably be in a week or two. Stay tuned to the channel.